you're going to get a little behind the scenes of how I do my podcast recordings here real quick. So the first thing you should know is that when I have a guest interview, I usually set my timer on my phone and try to wrap up about 23 minutes in. That way I can guarantee once I edit everything and add all the music and things like that, that I will keep these episodes within 30 minutes. And you will notice this one is not in the 30s. So when I hung up with Andrea, I realized that this was much longer than I thought, but I knew it was so good because we could not stop talking and we were having the best conversation. Okay, so I did that. I was so excited to sit down and edit this interview. Very long story short, I lost it, okay? It was on my external hard drive. It had got deleted from my laptop. It was a mess. I scheduled an appointment at Geek Squad. I went. I was practically in tears. Before I went to Geek Squad, I reached out to Andrea. I told her the situation. I said, you'll never believe this. I'm so sorry. Are you able to re-record? I did not hear back from her. Go out there. They tell me it's toast. There's no way it's coming back. And I was so upset because I knew that this was such a good interview. And I also felt terrible for making Andrea feel like she had to re-record. I come home and I just knew that I couldn't get this stuff back on the hard drive, but I was praying really hard and I was plugging it into my computer and I was thinking, Lord, if you want this to happen, it will happen. If not, whatever. And Andrea messages me back and says, I can record on Friday morning. So I thought that was the miracle I needed. And I thought you are so amazing. That is why I love Andrea Davis. She has so much character and such a good person. She was willing to do that for me. Well, Next thing I know, my hard drive actually comes back to life. It was crazy. And so I get back in there and I got the interview back. And it's this interview you're going to hear today. And I think there's a reason that we did not need to re-record because I would have re-recorded it and stopped around 23 minutes because I wanted to be respectful of her time she was giving back to me. And so much of this wisdom in this episode would have been lost and you need to hear it and I need to hear it and we need to really think what this means for the values of what we desire for our family and what we are looking towards for the future of our family. Andrea is going to empower you to parent from a place of confidence instead of fear when it comes to screens. She is an Idaho potato farmer's daughter raising her family in Oregon, where she is married to her husband, Tyler, of 17 years. They have five children, ages 6 to 15, and she is on a mission to share family-tested screen time strategy ideas so that parents can worry less and connect more with their children. She is the founder of Better Screen Time, and she is really going to give you a solution to fit it into your real life. Sit back and enjoy this episode. If it feels too long, then listen to as much as you can, pause it, and come back. Do not forget to listen to this through the end because this is amazing. Come along, friend. Let's grow. Welcome to Families That Stick Together. Just step right over the random pile of clothes where it looks like all my kids melted. Turn right past the pile of papers still out from last month's school project. Maybe don't look at the sink 
and make yourself at home, friend. This is where our family of six hangs out. It's where our real life happens. Stay long enough to be reminded of what we both already know, that swimming upstream is not without much work and grace, but it does come with friends who are rooting you on just as fiercely as the way you love your strong family. We work together here as friends so we can get to the end knowing we did well. Come along with us to gather together to grow through it all. Welcome, friend, with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. And now, my mom, who won't let us get a puppy, Jennifer Zumbio. This Together review is actually from our guest today, Andrea Davis. She says, our kids have absolutely loved the Together stickers. We actually lost our first set in a fire, and the kids asked several times if we could get them again. The kids love taking turns reading the stickers and awarding them to someone. They have a permanent spot in our napkin holder and always bring our family closer together. Andrea, thank you so much for this review. It is it just makes me so happy to know a family like yours is able to really truly enjoy these moments together. And even in your most difficult times that you've shared together as a family, I appreciate this review and your words. Hey, Andrea, thank you so much for being on Families That Stick Together today. I have been waiting to have you. You've been on my list since I knew I was starting a podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I just love your mission, and I knew that this was inevitable to build strong families is just talking about how to have better screen time. And you started a business two years ago called Better Screen Time. You say this about it. We believe that screen time can be a positive experience. We can use everyday interactions to establish routines and expectations that help our families enjoy screens. And we can learn to avoid the pitfalls that are so common in our society. What I have always loved about you, Andrea, is that you bring us this whole screen time issue as it relates to our real lives. And of course, that's what we're all about, right? You and me. Tell us as a mother of five why having better screen time is even important to you all. Yeah. So I feel like this journey started a really long time ago and I didn't realize it until after I had started better screen time. But when my oldest was just a couple of years old, we actually decided to put our television in the closet and use it as an appliance. And it was just because I couldn't really find television programming that I felt was worthwhile. And I I actually had a really good friend at the time. So at that time we were living in Indiana. My husband was working on his PhD at Purdue and we were just surrounded by a lot of amazing, great people. And one of those people was a friend who was an incredible reader. Well, she still is. And I just, I asked her, I said, what did your parents do to create this environment where you loved books so much? And she said, oh, we didn't have a TV. We didn't have a TV growing up. And I was like, wow, I was really intrigued. My family had a TV growing up. Um, But of course, in that era, options were really limited. We never had cable or anything. And we lived out in the country. So I spent a lot of time outdoors. But I also loved books. My mom read to me 
And I just thought, well, I want that. I want kids who love books. My husband's not really into sports, so I know this wouldn't fly in some people's homes, but my husband was on board. And so we just put the TV in the closet and we started pulling it out when we did like family movie night or the Olympics. That's the only time our TV sat out for like weeks at a time. I even have pictures of the kids and I all, all watching together. It worked. Like my oldest is 15 now. And I look back and I think, oh, I, I don't regret that. Like my kids all love learning. They love books. That's a huge part of our family culture. And so uh, fast forward a few years later, we moved from the Midwest to Oregon and it was just a crazy move. It was a crazy time in our lives. And I think most parents can relate to this. I think if you've been parenting for a while, most of us have had some major disruptions in our lives. And this was one of them for ours. My husband actually got laid off. He was part of just a major layoff from a big company. So it wasn't anything personal, but it was a difficult time for our family. And so we had to find new employment. We ended up moving across the country to Oregon. It was, we moved here on New Year's Eve and it was like the worst snow season they'd had in 30 years. That's what all the locals said. And so point being my oldest turned 12 right during that time. And we were sending her to a new school. I didn't know it. We didn't know anyone in this town. And so we had a leftover smartphone that I think my dad had given us. And I gave it to her so that she could call us if she didn't know where to get off the bus or anything. I, I felt a little bit panicked and I thought, well, she's responsible. This is a great tool. It didn't take long for me to realize that it was too much too soon. Several months later, pretty soon there were lots of apps on the phone and we were fortunate that nothing really catastrophic happened, but I could start to see that innocence leaving and just that it was really taking away her childhood, even though I mean, we think, oh, 12. But you know, I taught junior high before I stayed home with my kids. And they're still kids, <laughs> you know, at junior high age, I thought, Oh, how come I wasn't better prepared for this? And how could I have better prepared my daughter? And how can I better prepare my kids for this? So I started reading all the books and talking to other parents and saying, well, when did you give your kid a cell phone and how did you do this? And as I was searching for information just online, a lot of the information was really fear-based. I know that's important. It's important for us as parents to know what the problems are um, because obviously I was unaware. So there is definitely a place for that for parents who may just be completely unaware of what the dangers are lurking behind a screen. But uh, there also needs to be this piece of educating and helping. And I couldn't find that. And so that's why I started Better Screen Time because I thought, well, even if this helps no one else out there, it's going to help me raise my five kids. And so that's really where it started. Well, thank you for doing that, Andrea. I think everything that we learn from other people in life comes from someone else who's figured it out and just passes it on to us, right? You're yeah. a teacher. I was a teacher. And I know we've always been taught as teachers, don't reinvent the wheel, just take other people's lessons and make them your own, right? Yeah. So thank you for doing that and paving the way because so many of us need that. One thing you said about the story of the friend who is an avid reader and you asked her and she said, well, we just didn't have a television. It just made me think, wow, it's just so much proof. And we all know this, but the decisions we make in our homes really, truly do shape our kids. It shapes our children. 
in the way that they are able to be creative or in their character building or in their strengths and their weaknesses and the way they overcome and, and understanding their own talents and gifts. Yeah. I, I, just appreciate so much that you are coming at this from a gift of love and just empowerment for parents instead of the fear-based, because it does give us the opportunity then to build homes that shape our children to have the values that we do want to have. Yeah, exactly. So I talk to a lot of parents who don't see a problem with letting their kids be on different sites if they if they do allow their kids to have their own phone or iPod or whatever they're having, right? They will let their kids be on different sites like TikTok, for example. They may say, oh, my child only uses it for fun. It's so innocent. They're not finding any trouble there. They're just doing these dances. So I'd love to know your experience with all your research and talking to so many parents over the years. Explain why you feel this is a slippery slope, so to speak, and why we as parents should be more vigilant and actually not give in to letting our kid be on an app simply because, quote unquote, their friends are doing it. Yes. Well, you hit a good point just a few minutes ago. You brought up the word values, and I think that's really where it starts. So if we can sit down with our kids and have a conversation about what are our family's values, but also can we help our kids and our teenagers discover what their personal values are? I think if we're talking about our family's values, it can be easy to make these decisions about whether we allow a nap or we don't allow a nap because we can ask ourselves, well, does this fall in line with our family's values, knowing everything that we know about it. So first, of course, we want to do our research and be really thorough about it because for every app or platform out there, you're going to find pluses and minuses because that's the reality. And so then we have to ask ourselves as parents, well, do the benefits of this app outweigh the risks? Quite often for a lot of the apps that are out there, it's not not the case. Quite often, the risks are way more prevalent than the benefits. And so I always tell parents that if they are going to choose to allow something, they need to be very, very involved. And that means like, if you are going to allow something like TikTok, you better be right there, you know, watching it with your kids or your teenager, whoever is allowing it, it probably should be on your device, not on theirs. You want to definitely do your homework and see what are the the risks involved here? Because yes, there might be some fun, creative things there, but you've got to walk that path with your kids if you want to allow it just because there are so many risks risks involved. So you can't control the content that's available. And so if we're talking about our family's values, does the majority of the content on that app, whatever app you're looking at, does it fall in line with your family's values? And if the answer is no, then I think that the benefits don't outweigh the risks there. I think that that is an excellent way to look at anything. Do the benefits outweigh the risks or are the risks too strong? I think that's like anything that we are looking at that revolves around our family values, right? I mean, that can be as simple as what activities you choose to do as a family in your spare time, or what friends are you hanging out with as the adult? And what friend are you letting your children be influenced by? And so I, I'm glad you said that about the apps also. And I think if we all sit down 
and think about it, even something as innocent as letting your child put a little game on the phone that's completely innocent, that has zero access to any chat room or anything like mm-hmm. that or followers is still, I, I guess that just shows like we better be in control over how we are setting limits and things because then the slippery slope becomes, well, are they picking it up because they're bored? And that's not always bad, but let's teach our children to do other things when they're bored because usually boredom is always going to prove to be, to have the direct result of creativity at some point, right? If we let them take those enough steps to get there. And, and then is that game just becoming like a rabbit hole for them to then that game doesn't do anything for them anymore. So then they need a bigger game. And I always tell my kids, we have to think about life like a game of checkers. If I make this move, what's it going to lead to three moves Mm, down the road, right? I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that that slippery slope can look different for each of our kids and for our families. And I always talk a lot about kind of these core, I guess, principles or pillars that we need to look at when we're evaluating screen time. So we want to look at how is this affecting our relationships? How is this affecting my time? How is it affecting my health? And how is it affecting my goals and my dreams? And those are things that we talk about with our kids. So perhaps, like you said, the app that they're using doesn't have any access to perhaps there's no way for online predators to reach them or for anyone to Um, make a mean comment or for them to access pornography or any of those things. Perhaps it's just a simple game, but we can ask ourselves, you know, what's the opportunity cost here? How much time am I spending on this game where I could instead be developing my talents or some skills that is going to benefit me down the road? And so that's, those are the conversations that we really need to have with our kids. And when I was looking for solutions, I realized that I needed to get my kids involved. And I think that's one of the key elements that was missing because I kept finding downloadables that were either like rewards for, for like using screen time as a reward or cell phone contracts or different things like that that were just like print it out and use it. But I think that what's more effective is when we involve our kids and actually create a screen time plan together. And that's why I created our quick guide that we have on our website. And it's just, it's very discussion based. So it's just a simple discuss discussion that you can have with your kids and talk about, you know, where are we going to use screens? What are we going to do on them you know, based on our family's values? How much time are we going to spend on them? And then really talking about what are our screen-free areas in our home? What are screen-free times of day when, you know, you're really good at this. I know, Jennifer, like with um, the together and and really focusing and concentrating on dinner time, but like dinner time, that's a time for us to be together and focus on one another in our relationships. And so if screens are coming to the table, obviously that's going to interfere with those relationships. And so you can find our quick guide on our homepage And that's a great place to start to just get some of those boundaries in place and involve your kids in the process. And what's that website, Andrea? Betterscreentime.com. Of course, I love that these are all conversation starters that start way more um, because you're already just weaving in the fact that then everybody's going to talk about their family values. 
And it makes it so easy because when, when we sit down and have these conversations with our kids that you provide like that, my children can see immediately the negative effects of screens if they're on it the whole time. Children know this. They can mm-hmm. figure it out. It's not like it's this hidden secret we're trying to explain to them. If you just had this discussion, I mean, I'm not even talking about the handheld devices. If my children are watching a little too much TV and I say, let's think about this. You just sat here and watched 40 minutes of a show where you're just staring at a box over there in the corner of the room. What could you have been using these 40 minutes to do? You could have finished that great book you're loving right now. You could have been outside shooting free throws. You could have been riding bikes outside. I mean, they they know. Yeah. So as long as we're having these conversations, it's not like we're trying to put our fist down on something. The kids are going to figure it out on their own. Yeah, for sure. And I think if we've discussed limits ahead of time with them, then we don't have to have this conversation like on the daily. And that was one of the benefits I felt like of creating this plan together with the kids was just that we're being a little bit more more proactive. And so I wasn't being like, you need to get off the device or we're going to do this now. It's just these boundaries are already in place. And do you find, Andrea, from your customers who have gone through your courses and used your resources and things that are they telling you their children gave really great ideas for their family already and, and it didn't come from the parents? Yeah. And I'll, I'll have people say, you know, with their younger kids, obviously these conversations are easier than they are with the teenagers. And I can vouch for that because we've, we've done both. And so that's why I really try to help parents like get these boundaries in place while your kids are young. And then it's just becomes a habit, just like taking your shoes off when you walk into the house or, or whatever that is, that's, you're just like, this is just what our family does. Yeah. The parents that are in our courses and have finished our courses say, Oh, I just, I'm so glad I don't have to spend all this time worrying about this and, and spinning on this anymore. The decision's taken care of. And then of course, it's not like a one, one and done, but the kids are used to having these conversations. And so when a new problem comes up, or a new piece of technology arises and the kid wants that or the kid wants a new app, then that foundation is there and it just makes the conversation that much easier. Yes. And this translates into then every area of life because you're empowering them to make smart decisions about things that affect them and to really work through the pros and cons themselves. And they start to figure out how that affects them. So then when they are approached with other decisions behind the wheel of a car or alone at college one day, all these things where they have to know how is this decision going to affect my long-term goals and values or my short-term immediate for this day, whatever it is, we as parents then have empowered them to have this ability to do that. And that is incredible. Yes. Yes. What a gift, right? Your family will sit together longer and have more meaningful conversations as stated by 100% of Together customers who answered our survey. Our customers love this so much because it works. It works. It really is a way to slow down. I am Jennifer and I know that intentional connection is your favorite way to win against busy. And I also know some days keeping a strong family actually feels like a superpower. Our family of six totally gets it. 
especially in today's fast-paced world. But we believe in family and we know our world needs more like yours and you having some together for family dinner stickers at your table is going to make you feel like you can do it every single day. Here is our bonus question with Andrea from to gather for family dinner home inspection category. What household item is left out the most often? I would have to say Legos. I don't know if that's a household item, but it's definitely something that gets used in our house a lot. And I tend to find Legos in all the places. <laughs> it is definitely a household item at my home. And I agree. Thank goodness they don't break, right? Order your Together for Family dinner at togethermoments.com today. And we will ship it straight out of Kentucky. Okay, Andrea, over the spring, you shared an exclusive showing of the documentary Screen Agers. It was so wonderful. I was really excited to see you doing that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Matt, <laughs> Matt and I sat with our two oldest to watch it, and it was such an incredible way for us to have really great conversation with them about the whys behind our own philosophy of screens. It also let them see firsthand how kids become dependent on screens and how it negatively affects them when they don't have a, that guidance or rules. One 13-year-old girl, I believe she was 13 in the documentary, shared how she was involved in a focus group where she gave up her phone for two weeks. And one of her comments about that experience that really made me cry, actually, I just sat there and cried, was she said something like, it made me feel like a kid again. I went outside and played and I had missed that. Give us your best persuasive speech here on how screens are stealing our kids' childhood. Well, childhood is so short. Really, we think about our entire lifespan, that gift of getting to be a kid is such a short time. And especially, I think it's becoming shorter and shorter because of devices. We need to give our kids that gift of freedom, of not having to worry about what other people think or posting the right picture, you know, any number of things, but really the devices can quickly take away their childhood. So one thing, you know, you mentioned was this girl went outside again. So we, we love the outdoors. We live in Oregon. We, one of the reasons why we came here was because we love being in the mountains and love hiking and doing those things. That was a gift that I had as a child was to just be able to go outside and to explore and adventure. If a child has the chance to be on a device that has an app that's designed to keep them hooked, they're not going to step outside and swing on the swings or jump on the trampoline because the pull of that screen is way too strong. There are so many detrimental effects, but you know, kids are losing sleep um, because they're wanting to spend time on a device. And, you know, we hear stories of teenagers who actually like they have to sleep with their phones and they're checking their phones all hours at night. We all know anyone that's had children, this is lost sleep from having a newborn. We know how the loss of sleep, lack of sleep can affect us like emotionally, mentally, in so many ways. And so if our teenagers who already actually need more sleep are losing sleep because they're on their devices all hours of the night, 
the effects I think are detrimental. I mean, in so many ways, it's going to ruin their relationships. They're not going to be able to keep up on their schoolwork. And this is happening. And then, you know, we've got the pull of video games. So video games are not what they used to be. My husband used to do some video gaming as a teenager and said he would save up $70 to go down to the store, buy a video game, play it for a few hours, and then they'd get bored and they'd go ride a dirt bike or he, you know, he played the piano and he'd go do something else. But video games today are not even like that. So number one, they have been designed to really pull our kids in. There's so many opera interactive opportunities where they're obviously playing with other people. They can buy stuff to make the game that much more exciting. And then they're available 24 seven. So you no longer have to save up and go down to a video store to buy a video game. It's just hop on your computer or on your gaming system and there it is. It's just proof right there that as parents, we really do have to help place these limits. If we are going to allow video games in our home, then what are those boundaries going to be? And then, you know, there's there's so many other effects of, you know, increased screen time. So if you've ever watched a little kid who's been on an interactive device like an iPad and been on there for a few hours and tried to take it away, you can see right there, it's increasing their dopamine. They don't want to let it go. So we're seeing irritability and mood swings. Again, that's really taking these kids away from their most important job, which is to play. And that's what they need. They need that time to use their imagination, to be creative. It's going to serve them down the road. You know, you and I have both been teachers, but I hear from teachers today who talk about kids who just have zero attention span. They just have no ability to pay attention, to listen. I know that screens have really affected and and played into that because it's so exciting. And that's what kids get used to is being entertained all of the time to never, they've never been bored. They've been entertained anytime they needed it. Again, if we want our kids to be able to focus and to not constantly be distracted, then they need those skills of pushing through the boredom, which they'll never do if they always get to be on a screen. So really, this conversation could go on and on, but that that gives you a few of the things that I feel passionate about when it comes to really being smart with how we use screens. I agree. We could do a, probably a three-hour episode on just this one question. And when I was listening to you speak, I thought the one obvious way it's taken away childhood is I'll see kids who are way too young, in my opinion, to be having these little phones, and they just hold them with their hand. It's just constantly stuck to their hand, Mm -hmm. even if they're not looking at it. I don't know why, even if they have a pocket, even if they have a bag, they're holding it. And that in itself is just such a subtle way. It's taking away their childhood. It's just like almost like this weird symbolism of it's got a hold on them. Like they don't even have that hand free to even do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then it's quickly, you know, not just in their hand, but in front of their face and we're just missing out on life, like what's going on around us. And as parents, you know, we, we struggle with that because we're getting texts from, from people. We're trying to 
schedule things and it's a part of our, a part, a necessary part of our life. We want our kids to be able to enjoy that freedom away from a device because it just happens all too quickly. Let's say then for the parent that feels like they have gone too far and they are sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, I don't even know if I can take the screen time back from my child without a major revolt. Please give us three practical things that you think they could do right now at home to make it feel like they are indeed taking steps in the right direction to limiting the screens with, without causing that major revolt they're afraid of. Even though, you know, I'm going to add real quick, and I'm sure you're going to say this, as parents, guess what? We're still in charge. So if there is going to be a revolt, oh, well, get through it because, (laughs) (laughs) because you're the parent and you have to start new. So I'm going to add that even though I know you were about to. (laughs) Yeah, you're exactly right. So first of all, there is going to be some pushback. And that was one of the things that was so hard for me. We realized that that smartphone was not a good idea. And we went back to a brick phone. So this was before you know, there was a gab phone or any kind of smartphone that didn't have internet access. So we, we got a brick phone and, oh yeah, there was tons of pushback. There were tears and it was not fun, but I will never regret that. That gave us our family a time to prepare, not only, you know, ourselves, but to prepare our kids. It's never too late to take a step back. And just like you said, it's, it's our job as parents to do that. And it's not fun to be the bad guy, but I think we can be the bad guy in a loving way. And that's really where it starts. So I would say the first tip I would give would be just to model healthy screen time. As parents, you know, most of us have a smartphone. A lot of us are probably even working using computers a lot. And so I think that's important conversation to have with our kids that yeah, I'm on a computer, but these are my work hours and I'm, I need to use devices to be able to interact with other people and to get our work done to provide for our family. But then what can we do to model healthy screen time in, in our off hours and having those boundaries between work and family time? And one of the things that I did was that I quit taking my device or any devices into our bedroom or into the bathrooms. I started doing that probably two and a half years ago, and I've, I've never looked back. I put our, my phone in our charging station, our family charging station at night. That way I'm safeguarding, you know, our bedroom is a place for relationships. You know, for me, I'm Christian, so it's a place for me to have a relationship with God. It's a place to have a relationship with my spouse. It's also a sanctuary, so it's a place where I can go to rest and to rest my mind. If we're doing that, then we're going to model that for our kids. And so someday, you know, when your kids have devices of their own, when they're, you know, older teenagers, then they'll realize, hey, that's just what our family does. I I noticed that my mom always does that. So I think that's where it starts. And whatever that looks like for you, I think everyone has to decide for themselves what healthy screen time is for them. But I've loved that change. Another recommendation I would give would be to create a plan with your kids. So we talked about this a little bit already, but rather than being really authoritative and just coming up with the rules and announcing them to the family, instead, let's gather our kids. And in our quick guide, you know, we help you first have the conversation about using technology as a tool, 
So we're not even making any rules. We're just making a thumbs up and a thumbs down list of what are all the things that you guys love about technology and you let your kids talk and they'll make a big list. And then for the thumbs down side, we'll say, well, what are some of the things that we need to watch out for or be careful of? And the kids know, just like you said, they are very aware of what the negative sides of technology are. And so you make that list together and that's the first step and you don't even have to make a plan at that point. And then the next time you get together, then you start forming this family tech plan. But just letting your kids talk and listen and also coming to that conversation with ideas that you've already talked to your spouse or your partner about that things that you want to see your family implement, that's really helpful. Because of course, you're letting your kids talk and you're listening, but you're also bringing some ideas to the table. Because as a parent, you have that vision of what you want your family to be. And so you get to um, help create that plan with that vision in mind. And then the last thing that I would say that I think is one of the easiest things to do is to create some daily screen-free family rituals. For example, I mean, like your stickers that you do at dinner time, where, you know, the screens are away, perhaps that's a ritual that you do every night during dinner as you're, you know, reading your, your sticker and asking the question and you're building conversation with the kids. This ritual can be a number of things for me. I love reading aloud to my kids frequently right now, mostly just read to my younger kids, but periodically I'll do a chapter read aloud with the whole family. And that's something that I love because that speaks to me. But for your family, you know, for anyone listening, what is the thing that you love that you want to see more of in your family that doesn't have anything to do with the screen and do that. Just do more of that and make sure that that's part of just a screen-free ritual. And the nice thing about that is that you don't even have to announce, we're not doing screens. Everybody put your screens away. It's just the opposite where it's just you're building that family culture and it's like, hey guys, let's all go jump on the trampoline or it's time for our evening walk. If you're engaging in conversation and making it a positive experience, then it's something your kids look forward to and you don't even have to say anything about screens. You know, Unless maybe you have older teenagers who have a device, you can just politely invite them, hey, we're going to leave the devices home. And again, if you model that as a parent, you leave your device in the charging station, then you can invite everyone else to do the same. And it's just a great way to build those family bonds. So that's where I would recommend starting. Well, I think all of those are very realistic. They're not completely flipping your world upside down in a day. I think they're so easy. And what I like is that they then just become normal for your family so that it does feel like the natural thing to all go outside after dinner. The other thing you keep saying, you said this in the beginning of this whole interview and you said it during this part is you will never regret that. You've never regretted the time you didn't have a TV. You've never regretted keeping them out of your, keeping the cell phones out of your bedrooms or having all these limits. I I think that that's what we need to look at so much as parents instead of the short-term effects of you know, I was joking before about the revolt, but I know that that feels like a big short-term consequence that we kind of want to avoid, but we've got to look for that long term because it's all about the goals we want and distractions are the 
biggest hindrance to us reaching our goals. I think we could all agree that a lack of better screen time is quite possibly the biggest distraction we could ever allow into our family. Mm-hmm. I would agree. For our last question to wrap this up, what do you hope your children because you are living a life like this and all of the people that you're impacting, all of these families, what do you hope their children come back to them in 15 years and say about growing up in a home that did indeed have limits? Anytime I meet a young adult, so anyone that's like ages 18 to let's say 24, 25, that isn't married. And of course they're you know, this more recent generation, I will ask them what limits their parents had when it comes to screen time. I kind of, I'm always mentally taking notes. I will never forget a couple of years ago, not long after I started better screen time, I asked a young man who was, I think it was around 19, was away from home for the first time and was asking about, you know, what limits did your parents have? And he said, my parents had very few limits. And he said, I wish they would have had more because he now was at a point where he was surrounded by peers who had spent their time developing talents or building skills that he hadn't. I mean, I think he's young enough and obviously he already is recognizing it. I think he's, he's going to be fine. He'll be able to recover, but he just said, I wish my parents would have had more limits because I wasted a lot of time when I could have been or should have been doing other things. And I know that when our kids are young, and especially teenagers, they do not appreciate limits. Their job is to test limits. That's developmentally appropriate, and totally normal. But I do believe that at some point later on in life, when our kids feel like they've spent their time wisely, and I try to tell my kids too, I'm like, you don't get this time back. I mean, once you're married, and you start having a family, and you have a job, don't really get to spend hours playing the piano or just daydreaming or reading a book and life gets busy and you have commitments. And I think it it seems so far away for our kids. And so in some ways they're like, yeah, whatever mom. But I still think that they're internalizing that a little bit. I do hope that someday my kids will say, thanks mom. Thanks for caring enough for placing those limits. And obviously at this point, there's no guarantees that that's going to happen. But I know, I think like you said, that I will be able to look back and say, I don't have regrets with the way I raised my kids. I I didn't do it perfectly. That's not possible. And I even know my kids are going to make mistakes on devices. When we grow up, we make mistakes. The difference between our childhood and our kids' childhood is that devices didn't exist in the way that they do now. So there was no chance we were going to make those mistakes. You know, our kids will make mistakes, but hopefully they'll be able to say, but my mom was there for me and she was helping model good screen habits and she was helping me place these limits and she didn't get upset. She she helped me through this or my my dad helped me through this. I hope that someday our kids will recognize this and I I think they will. I think they'll be appreciative. And I think... In the end, it will build more self-confidence in our children and their own personal abilities to just be strong human beings doing good things. And I know that's what we all really want to build. 
Yeah. Well, and I think about it too, like my oldest is a sophomore in high school now, and I think it's not too long. She's going to be out of the house. And at some point, I'm sure before I know it, starting a family of her own. And so I think about what is the gift that we're giving our kids. We're also helping them know how to handle technology when they have kids of their own. And of course, there will be things where they might say, well, my parents did that way. I'm, I'm not going to do it that way. But we've given them a great foundation because technology is only going to become more pervasive and become more a part of our lives. And so we're really giving them that gift so that they can raise the next generation you know, in a healthy way. I think you just summed up this whole interview. (laughs) (laughs) With that, we already know what's making your family strong, but Andrea, here's the question we ask every guest. What's one thing helping your family stick together right now? When I read this question, I was like, oh, I know exactly what it is. So we've been playing this outdoor game since the quarantine started. So like spring of 2020, Someone that I actually follow and admire on Instagram, Mel's Kitchen Cafe, she recommended this outdoor game. And I think it's probably supposed to be pronounced Kub, but we call it Cub. It's spelled K-U-B-B. I think it's from Europe and that's why it's pronounced differently, but it is just these wooden, I guess, sticks. You have two teams and you set them up and you're basically just trying to knock over these wooden sticks, but it's unbelievably fun. And I think it's just been great because we've taken the bag with us everywhere we've gone this summer. And we've had kids ages three up to like grandparents age 77 playing the game with us. So it's a good like multi-generational game. And all of my kids like it. It's like an easy game. Again, Cub, K-U-B-B and I highly recommend it because one, it it gets your family outside and it's not hard to play. And so it's just a fun, a fun thing that we'll just go do at least once a week. Do five-year-olds beat up their sisters with it? (laughs) No. (laughs) Because this sounds so great for our family. I think we would love it. I'm a little concerned about little Nathan running around with sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they're pretty hefty too. Pretty hefty sticks. What a fantastic way to keep sticking together. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that, Andrea. I'm definitely checking that one out. So leave everyone with all the great places they can catch you and connect with you and learn from you and look into your courses. Yes. So our website is betterscreentime.com. We are also on Instagram and Facebook as Better Screen Time. And we... I'll do Instagram lives and Instagram stories quite often to share tips for screen time. And then of course we do have two online courses. One is called creating a tech healthy family, and that's primarily for ages five to 13. So you're really creating that family tech plan, talking to your kids about not wasting time, talking to them about online safety, about pornography, all of those important conversations And then our second course is called Untangling Teens and Tech. And that is for ages 12 to 17. More of a one-on-one approach where the parent works with the teenager to talk about some of the pitfalls of technology and to also prepare them as they start to prepare to have a device of their own. Or if they already have one and it's not going well, we've got lots of help and resources in that course. So those are some places that you can can find us and get some of the help that you need.
Thank you, Andrea. And thank you for being here today. Your advice and research and wisdom is so invaluable to our families today. And I am just grateful to know you and learn from you. Thanks so much. I'm so grateful for all you do. And our family loves your stickers. My kids ask to do them. So they've been a fun part of our screen-free rituals. So we love what you do. Oh, yay. I'm so glad we've connected. It's been mutually beneficial for all our families. Yes. All right. Talk to you later, Andrea. Thank you so much. I don't think we need to summarize much here, but I want you to know that when I ended editing this episode, I was almost in tears because I'm just so thankful for someone like Andrea standing up for our families and not making us feel like we have to be these dictators and come down with an iron fist in our families, but rather feel like we are empowered to build the family that we want because we actually have tools that work into our real life. They're not crazy. They actually just fit into what we're already doing. We just need to tweak a couple things and be more intentional. And I love when she says, what we are doing for our children today is giving them a gift so that they can raise the next generation with healthy habits. And that is what we have to look towards. Don't care about the short-term effects of taking away screens or limiting them. Think more about the long-term because we all know we will never have regrets about that. Thank you for coming along, friend. Thank you for being here. Pass on this episode to at least three of your closest friends, your family, because I know and you know how much they will appreciate it just like we have. And keep staying strong and being a family that sticks together. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, Take time to gather, together to grow, and speak the words that matter.